So let's jump into our sermon this morning from 1 John chapter 3. We've been walking through this uh, series, walking through the letters of John. And as we have been walking through the letters of John, you know, as we've talked about oftentimes, that John, uh, the last apostle, he, he wrote these words to a church, uh, to people who were followers of Jesus Christ. It was written to those like you and me in this room. It was written to us to help us understand like what we must be doing because of the attacks from the outside that we're trying to stop the church from being the church. And so we've walked through over the last three weeks, 1 John 1 and 1 John 2. Today we're going to start with 1 John chapter 3. We're going to handle the first, 10, uh, the first 10 verses of this chapter. And then next week we'll ca- handle the rest of chapter 3. But let's read this together if we can. It says this in verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins and there is no sin in him. Everyone who who remains in him does not sin and everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The son of God was revealed for this purpose to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. Now, 10 verses. And I got to be honest with you. These are some complicated verses. Some challenging verses that we're going to walk through and kind of talk through to help us kind of really understand what John was saying. But the first thing right out of verse one that we must understand is, hey, don't be surprised by the lack of love. Don't be surprised by the lack of love. Now, when you read verse one, that can be a confusing statement that I just gave to you because verse one says this, see what great love the father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are, you say, wait a minute, you just said, don't be surprised by the lack of love. And yet God's word just says right here, see what great love the father has from us. But let's keep reading verse one. It says the reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. In other words, when I make that statement, don't be surprised by the lack of love. What I'm talking about is the lack of love from the world. Yes, we live in a a culture today, in a world today where people will criticize us because we gather together on a Sunday morning and we claim the name of Christ. We have seen that in these last few days after the Supreme Court decision on Friday where the world has attacked Christians and the church. We are looked down on. We are talked about. They're using this phrase of, of Christian as a derogatory term, a derogatory remark about those of us who claim the name of Christ. Now they do that, not because they don't like us. I mean, let's after all, after all, you got to be honest. Like we live in a culture today where tolerance is the name of the game, right? Everybody wants to be tolerant. Everybody wants to be accepting. Everybody wants to say like, hey, accept everybody for who they are and for what they believe and for what they do. Like that's the language of the culture. 
And you say, well, then why is it that they're always attacking us? Here's why. It's not because they don't like you. It's because they don't like him. It's not because they haven't accepted you. They haven't accepted Christ. John writes about this here in verse one. He also writes about it over in John chapter one, John's gospel chapter one and verses 10, 11. And it even says this, these words in 10 and 11, it says that they did not accept Jesus when he came. They rejected him, even though he was their creator, that the world rejected Jesus when he came because they did not recognize him. You cannot recognize God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit when you do not believe they're God. And so when Jesus showed up and people say, oh, he was a great teacher, he was a great man, he was a great rabbi, all of the things that we read about in culture, all the things that we read about in history about Jesus while still denying the deity of Jesus Christ, that he is God, then we understand what John is writing in John chapter one and what John is writing here in first John chapter three. Hey, yeah, God loves you. God gave his son Jesus for you and he died on the cross for you and he was buried and he rose again for you. And through believing in Jesus, you have become children of God. What great love God has for us that we can be called children of God. Oh, but also, and the world doesn't know you. They reject you. They don't recognize you because they don't recognize him. Don't be surprised by the lack of love in our world today for those who claim the name of Christ. It's something that has gone on all the way back from the time that Jesus was here. It's something that has been happening for 2000 years over and over and over again. People have been rejected because they've claimed the name of Christ, not because of you, not because of them, but because of the world has rejected Christ. So what? It doesn't matter. Don't be surprised by it. Don't be put off by it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't sit back and think like, I just don't know that I can handle this anymore because people are attacking me for my faith. Look what it says in the beginning of verse one. God has shown you his great love and has called you his child. That's a pretty cool thought, isn't it? It's a pretty cool statement if you think about it, that that is what Jesus has done for us. So don't be surprised by the lack of love. And as we recognize and understand that, here's a kind of an encouragement for us to do that is that we recognize this, as John writes, that the best is yet to come. Look what it says in verse verse two. In verse two, it goes on to say, dear friends, we are God's children now. And what uh, what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is we will be like him. The reality of heaven, the reality of a new body, the reality of a new conscience, a new understanding that when Christ returns, we will not be like we are today. And aren't you grateful for that? Because the minute, man, a lot of people are really grateful for that. I'm tired of this body. You know, when we're born, the minute that we begin taking our first breath on this earth is the moment we begin dying. The moment that we begin breathing is the moment that we begin dying, that this body begins to break down and all of the struggles and all the challenges that we have in our humanity and in our own lives and in our own existence. Like, man, it's tough. We live in a tough world. Man, you sit there and you go through all these situations. A few moments ago, we prayed for a lot of people in our church who were hurting. 
We prayed for people who are going through difficult moments and man, life is tough because of financial challenge, because of relationship challenge, all the stuff that, that we face in this broken world in which we live. Hey, the good news is this, is that one day when he appears, we will be like him. And what does it mean to be like him? It means this, no more pain. Does that sound good? No more sorrow, no more tears, no more death as Revelation 21 tells us about. No more having to pay the mortgage. Come on, people. No more having to deal with all of the things that this culture has, the attacks and the problems and the pain. Like all that stuff is gone because we will be like him and we'll be like him for eternity. The best is yet to come. Man, what an encouragement that we're given here in verse two that John says, guys, I know that there are people who are trying to attack you and I know there are people who are trying to criticize you and I know that there are people trying to put you down and I know that there are people who are trying to make it tough for you as you're following Christ. Listen, hey, hang on. Keep moving forward. Do not get discouraged. Do not get turned to the right or to the left. Like, don't go the wrong direction. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep moving because one day we will be like him. That's why my dad throughout his entire life, one of the phrases that he said over and over and over again, he would say, don't quit. Don't ever, ever, ever quit. I remember one time sitting in a church service when he said it several times in the service and I'd heard him say it a thousand times. And I actually in my mind was sitting in the room thinking, I wish he would quit saying don't ever quit. Because he just kept saying it over and over and over again. Here's why. Because the best is yet to come. This world in which we live that is so disturbing and so broken and so heartbreaking is not all that there is. It's not all that we have to look forward to. If you have claimed the name of Christ, if you believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died and that he rose again, like this earth that we live in today, the brokenness of this world, like it is nothing more than just simply a rest stop on the way to eternity. Have you ever done a road trip? You're driving down the highway, you see that sign rest stop there and you know, you want to pull off for a few minutes and you, you pull off and you get out, you get a drink, you go to the restroom and you just kind of walk around for a few moments. Right? Hey, that is the equivalent of what this earth is today, what your life is today in the scope of eternity. Because eternity, there's no end. And so whether you are 10 years old or whether you're 110 years old, like no matter how long you've lived on this earth, Regardless of how long you've been here, it is absolutely nothing in comparison to eternity. When we get to heaven, when we're standing in eternity, like we're going to have goodness forever. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Like we're going to have happiness forever for eternity. Like, and I can't even describe to you what eternity really is. There's no way for our minds to comprehend it. It's like just forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and just keep on going like infinity, right? It just keeps on going. And that is what God has prepared for us through his son, Jesus. And we who have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, that is what we have been promised. And so here's what that is. That is the power and the promise that we need to overcome, to overcome today to overcome heartache and heartbreak, to overcome challenge, to overcome difficulty, to overcome a really bad boss, to overcome that 
that class that you're taking that you just think, man, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to pass this thing. To overcome being, you know, concerned about whether you're going to be able to pay the bills at the end of the month. To overcome that health challenge that the doctor has told you, like, we don't know what else we can do. The power and the promise to overcome is this, is that God has given us a way to eternity through his son, Jesus Christ. The best is yet to come. So what do we do? Here's what we do. And this is what John talks about next. Prepare for the best. Prepare for the best. In other words, have a positive outlook on what is going to come. Like look forward to what is going to come. In other words, like, hey, the best is yet to come. So in light of that, then I want to make sure I'm doing now what I need to do now to be ready for what is to be. So look what it says in verse three. In verse three, it goes on to say, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin practice lawlessness, uh, practices lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins and there's no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Now, got to be honest with you. This is a difficult passage. Like, what do you mean everyone who has seen him, everyone who knows him does not sin? Like, you've said it a thousand times from the stage, like that you as a father, you're going to sin, right? Like, like all of us in this room, we are going to sin. It is going to happen because of our humanity, because of our, 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 our you know, argument, our, our conflict between the saint that, that has been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, who has been a, made a new creation because of Christ. Like that is in total conflict with and opposition to who we are as a human because we're born with a sinful nature. And so, yeah, you're going to sin. So what does that mean that everyone who is in him will not sin? Here's what it means. It means that we will not have a habit of continuing sin. That we will not have this situation in our life where we just keep living that way and walking that way and going that way, living however we want to live because we feel like we have liberty and freedom because of the grace and the mercy of God. Listen, the fact that you have been saved and forgiven by the gospel of Jesus Christ of anything that you could ever do does not give you license to do whatever you want to do. Do you understand that principle? Look what it says back again in the first part of the passage we just read. In verse three, it says this word, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. In other words, if you have the hope of heaven, which is a follower of Christ, you do. If you have the hope of eternity with Christ, which we do, then here's what you've got to do. You've got to make sure today that you're pursuing holiness because of what is ahead. That today that you need to live differently than the world because of what you've been promised. That today in light of our future, I'm going to change now. Preparing for the best by doing my best. Will you be perfect? Absolutely not. Will you mess up? Count on it. Will you blow it from time to time? Of course you will. I will. We all will. But here's what our heart needs to be focused on, what our desire needs to be, is that as long as I'm on this earth, as long as I'm breathing the air of this place we call home, that I'm going to do my level best to be more like him today than I was yesterday. To keep moving forward closer to him so that I can prepare for what God has for me one day. 
One day when he appears, we will be like him. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be great. We're not there yet. Today, I'm not like him. I'm like me. And I got to be honest with you, if it's up between me and him, like he definitely is better than me. And don't, does everybody agree that he is better than you are? Right? So we're going to be like him. That's like the ultimate goal. We're going to get there. Today, it's like me and I'm not that great. But here's what I want to do. I want to try to incrementally move more like him, to be more like him, to try to do what I can today to be better, to seek a life that is moving away from sin rather than a life that is captivated by it. And so that's what we've got to do. That's what John's talking about. So when he says that everybody who's in him will not sin, he's not saying like, if you're a Christian, you're never going to sin again. He's not saying that. In fact, if John was saying that here, then we would have to throw out all of the rest of John's writings. Because all through these letters that we're studying this summer, like all over and over and over again, hey, when you sin, ask for forgiveness. First John 1, 9, hey, if you sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you. If you confess your sin, like he will forgive you. He is good. He will take care of you. He promises he'll, he'll man, so do your best. Try to be more like him. Like all of the rest of John's writings, we'd have to throw out the window if what John was meaning here was like, hey, you're never going to sin. So encouragement, this is not today the statement that I just read. It is not an argument against the security of the believer. I believe firmly according to God's word. When you study God's word, like it is ironclad, it is guaranteed, it has the good housekeeping seal of approval, okay? When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you believe that Jesus died, that he was buried and that he rose again and that he's the only way to heaven and you believe that with all of your heart, you confess your sins to him. Like when that moment happens, you are sealed forever. Your security is absolute. You can guarantee, yes, I will spend eternity in heaven. I'm not perfect. I'm going to blow it here. I may mess up tomorrow. I may mess up at 1032, which is two minutes from now, like you might mess up, but nothing will take you away from the hand of God and the promise that God has given to you of the gift of eternity in heaven. When you've accepted Christ as your Lord and say, nothing can separate you from the love of God, man, that is good news. But understand this, we've got to do everything that we possibly can not to take that as license to live however we want to live. Like you've got to live to be more like, be holy for he is holy, God's word says. So it's not an argument against the security of the believer. Don't be discouraged to think like, well, that tells me I must not be a Christian because I sinned yesterday. No, no, no. What it tells you is this. It's say, you need to recognize your sin. You need to confess your sin. And then you need to do your very best not to do it again. That's all that John's saying. And so that's what this passage says. So prepare for the best. If the best is coming, we're going to be like him. We're going to spend eternity with him in heaven. Awesome. That's great. So let's do our best in light of that to live better now, to do our best in this moment. Even though, as John goes on to write in verse seven, Satan wants the worst. Look what it says in verse seven. Children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The son of God was revealed for this purpose to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. 
Now, in the New Living Translation, verse 9 says it this way. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So you understand the concept there, right? Even though these verses I just read, 7, 8, 9, and 10, again, creates some conflict here, creates some problems here because you're sitting there thinking, wait a minute, it says that I will not sin if I'm born of God, that if I'm a Christian that I won't sin. It's not saying that you won't sin. It's saying that you will not have the practice of sinning, that you will not keep on sinning, that you will not have a desire to continue to run that way. That habitual, unrepentant sin, the feeling like, oh, because of liberty, I can do it. And I'm I'm not talking about Liberty University, right? I'm talking about the liberty that we have in Christ, right? Because of my liberty, because of my freedom, because of the grace and the mercy of God, I can do whatever I want because I'm assured of heaven. And here's what I will tell you, that if you have that belief, I would seriously question your own salvation. Now, I know what I just said some of you like, might take issue with, but I believe with all my heart. Because when you are truly a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ, sin is not something, as this passage just says, as John writes, like, it can't even be like present in your heart. It's not in you because God is in you. God, the Holy Spirit, is in you. Therefore, sin, they can't coexist, right? So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to hate sin. I will still commit sin, but I'm going to hate sin. And you know that feeling, right? When you do something that you know is wrong and you feel really bad about it, right? Like this morning, I left my house like, I don't know, like five, six, ten, I don't know, really early. Sherry wasn't up yet. And we have four dogs, which by the way, they are of the devil. <laughs> and so I left the house this morning very early. And every Sunday morning when I leave the house, like it's really early, you know, wintertime, it's dark. And I'm telling you, know, I want to get out. I want to get, get my Diet Coke so I can get going for the day. And but, but I always, like, Sherry always wants me to take the dogs outside for their morning run, right? And when I mean run, I'm not talking about running. You know what I'm talking about. And so she wants me to take them outside in the morning before I leave so that they won't bother her. Well, this morning, I was, like, really quiet. And I got up, and I took a shower, and I got dressed, and I tiptoed through the room. And I'm always looking to see if the dogs move their heads. Because if they don't move their head, I'm golden, Right? <laughs> And so I'm, I'm going really quietly through the house and I get my stuff and I, you know, I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching and I slowly close the door and not one of those dogs move their heads, which is awesome because usually it's like, you know, they're like this, right? They're like cobras ready to strike. And this morning, like they didn't move. So I closed the door and I went and got in the car. I was so excited. And I got in the car and I started driving out. And as I was driving out of my driveway, I looked over towards the front driveway. And guess what I saw? I saw those stupid dogs coming out the front door. (laughs) Now, I know those dogs are of the devil and they are like, you know, they have supernatural demonic powers. I get it. But they cannot open the door. Which means that from the time that I got from my bedroom to my car, they woke my wife up. They got demonic powers. And before I even drove out of the driveway, Sherry had to come down and let those dogs out. Which means this. Today, those dogs are sleeping tonight in my room, and I'm sleeping in the doghouse tonight. All right, so yes, you're going to mess up. Yes, you're going to do something wrong. Yes, you're going to blow it. But when you do it, you know that it's wrong. I've already sent my wife a text and said, I'm really sorry. 
please let me come home. Like, like I know. And that's what's going to happen when you come to that moment when you, as a saint who has been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, know you're assured of heaven and that promise is absolute and you're guaranteed the gift of heaven. But when you mess up, your ticket to heaven does not get ripped away. But boy, you're sure going to hate the fact that you continue doing things that are in opposition to the one who gave you the gift. John MacArthur said it this way, and then we'll close. I know I'm like running way over, but that's okay. We got nowhere to go, right? Restaurants don't even open till 11, so you guys are good. John MacArthur says it this way. The Christian is a single new person, a totally new creation, not a spiritual schizophrenic. It is the filthy coat of remaining humanness in which the new creation dwells that continues to hinder and contaminate his living. He is no longer the old man corrupted, but is now the new man created in righteousness and holiness, awaiting full salvation when he dies and is given a new body. So in other words, I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm guaranteed heaven. I don't have any question about that. I don't have any doubt about that. Absolutely. I know heaven is where I am headed. I know that today, if I were to die, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven because of my belief in and trusting that Christ died for me, was buried and rose. I know it. I know it. I know it. And I know that I blow blow it occasionally because while I know it inside, I am a saint saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, that I'm still wearing this broken down body. And this broken down body is constantly going to be fighting against the new creation that I know that I am. But here's the cool thing, that while that battle will continue until the day that you die, it is a battle that you must fight, but it is a battle that you will not lose. That's good news, don't you think? Because what great love the Father has for us that we could be called his children. And we are. How great is that? So today... I hope John, through his writings, I hope he's encouraged you to make a change. To make a change to try to become more like Christ today. To work hard, to do everything that you can, to avoid sin. And when you sin, that you roll back to 1 John 1, 9 and say, God, I'm sorry I did that. God, I'm sorry. Just like I texted Sherry, I'm sorry I did that. I was on my knees when I texted her. I'm sorry I did that. I'm just kidding. I was, I was, <laughs> I wasn't. I had to make sure I, because then I'd have to confess that sin for lying here. So I'm not going to get in all that. Like, but, but here's the point. Like, like, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. And I hate it. But I can't help it. Because this battle will continue until the day that you die. And when you die, that is not a loss. That's a victory. Because what we faced here, we'll never face again. That is the gift of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for helping us today to understand our condition. As followers and believers in Christ, yet still battling against the old. So God, help us to make a change, to do better, to to do our best today, to live, to become more like you. To pursue holiness in what we do and how we live. And God, that when we mess up, that we confess it. God, we're sorry. And God, we're going to do our level best to not do it again. 
God, help us to live that life. And God, for that, we, we give you the praise that you give us the ability to do that. We give you praise that you've called us the children of God. We're so grateful. And God, I pray that today, right now, if there's someone in this room or watching or listening today that has never made that decision, God, I pray that today through your word that they would be encouraged. Hey, I want to be a part of that family. And that today that they will believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for their sins. He was buried and he rose again. And that today, through believing in him, that they can be called children of God. With their heads bowed and with their eyes closed, our team is gathering here at the front. As we do every week, altar is going to be open. Today, if you're here and you need to come down and you want, like, I want to become part of the family. Like, I want to join the family. Like today, in a moment, I'm going to invite you, man, make your way to the front. Talk with one of our team members gathered here. They love to talk with you and share with you who Jesus is and what he's done. Maybe today there's some things you need to confess. Maybe you have been living as a follower of Christ. You've been living in habitual, unrepentant sin. And it really is not bothering you much. And after today's sermon from this passage, like it scares you a little bit. Maybe today you want to come and kneel here and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm not doing that again. I'm I'm done with that. I'm over. That's it. I'm living better now. I'm going to run after you now. Like this altar is be open. I encourage you to come down and pray. Man, you want to come join our church. Awesome. We'd love to have you part of our church family. Which, by the way, being a part of a church family does not make you part of God's family. Like just simply being a part of this church does not make you a child of God. It does not guarantee you salvation. So you might have been born in this church and you might have been in this church for decades. But if you've not come to a place where you've trusted and believed that Jesus is the son of God, that he died, and that he rose again, he's the only way to heaven. That's what gets you into heaven, not being a part of a church. But maybe today you want to do, want to join our church family. Awesome, we'd love to have you. If you want to come for baptism, whatever it is. So I'm going to close in prayer. The altar is going to be open. I'm going to encourage you to make your way down to the front. That you make a decision today. That will change everything. That's what God wants for you. God, today I pray for every person here. That the right decisions will be made. That the right changes will be implemented. That they will become and do what you called them to be and and God that you would do incredible things in their lives. God help us today to be more like you. We need to. So God help us in this battle that we're all in. Lord give us encouragement, give us strength and help us to keep moving forward towards you. And God for that we'll give you the praise. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. The altar's open. I encourage you to make your way to the front. Don't forget next week celebrate America. God bless you and have a great week. I want to thank you for joining us today. If you've never come to the place of recognition of being a sinner and needing a savior, you can do so right now. Believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again to give you eternal life, just ask him to save you today. If you would like to talk further about that and what God has done in the giving of his son Jesus, we'd love to chat with you. I would encourage you to email us at the address listed on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you and help you begin this brand new journey with Jesus Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with this amazing message of God's love.